Hey, what's up, everyone? You are on the Eden Podcast, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope that the next 30 minutes will help you to become the person that God always dreamed you could be. Let's get started. That was amazing. That was awesome. Well, uh, I'm so pumped to be here with you this morning. Uh, It's anniversary Sunday, so we're celebrating three years of a bunch of life transformation that's happened here at Eden Church, but also part of what we're doing this morning is we're looking into the future. But before we go any further, I just want to say um, a humble congratulations to all the Chief fans out there. As painful as it for me, but I felt like all the stuff I was saying leading up to Sunday, it would be uh, bad sportsmanship on the part of the pastor to not, to not say something. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited about today. You know, two years ago, maybe a little over two years ago, I started learning how to surf. And, uh, and I've always wanted to do it. And we moved out here and we were closer to the beach. So we thought it's about time to start learning how to surf. And so I bought a surfboard. And, uh, and there is a learning curve to surfing. And it took me about three to four months, maybe five months, before I actually like rode my first wave and like rode down the line. It took me like 100 yards. And in that moment, I felt like, man, this was one of the best experiences of my life. Not, not like long-term relational experiences, but just like one of the coolest experiences. Because when you're surfing and you're riding like the green part of a wave, you really almost feel like there's silence around you. And it's just like this weird, cool motion that you're riding energy that has come in from hundreds of miles out from in the middle of the ocean, breaking onto the shore. And it was amazing. And I remember as I started thinking about some of the process of like what it takes to learn, you have to get out in the water and, and stop being afraid that there are sharks everywhere, which in Santa Cruz, that may not be the wisest thing to do. There are great whites all over the place. Anyways, so there's a learning curve, right? There's a learning curve to surfing. You've got you've to develop the muscles in your back and in your neck so that you can paddle out for a sustained period of time. And then you've got to figure out like the weight of your body on that board and where it works so that you can ride the wave. And, and I think the hardest part about surfing for me and my experience was learning how to let go of stability, to push yourself off the board, and to step up. That is like the hardest part because for a split second, you almost lose complete control over the direction and the feeling and control over the board. You have to push up, and then you have to step up. I think that there's a real big spiritual truth in that statement. And so this morning, we're going to talk about how important the key of stepping up is to growth. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on water. Peter is yelling these words across the Sea of Galilee as his boat is being rocked by the violent waters of the Sea of Galilee, and it's on a stormy, windy day, much like today, and everyone else on the boat that morning was panicked. They were freaking out, and you would understand why if you've ever been on a small boat in choppy waters, you know that it doesn't take much to capsize a boat, and so that was part of where their fear was coming from, but they were also afraid because of their separation from Jesus. A few hours earlier, they had just wrapped up a real long day of ministry. They had fed 5,000 people, uh, sort of on the spur of a moment. And after they fed everyone, after this event, Jesus sent 
his disciples in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and then he went his own way. He went up to the hills, and he went to the quiet place, and he began to pray. But what's cool about all of this is that in the middle of the storm, in the middle of their trouble, Jesus appeared to them. And I love what this scene, the picture that this scene paints for us. Because it shows us the heart of Jesus. That when life is rough, when storms hit, when the darkness falls, when you're in trouble, Jesus comes to you. And that's what he did for the disciples. But I also love this passage and this account because it's actually really interesting. Because it's also a reminder that sometimes in the storm, Jesus may not look like what you're used to. Sometimes in the middle of the storm, Jesus may not look like what you're used to. And so you can follow along with me if you'd like. I'll be in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. It says, About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! Isn't it interesting? I think it's interesting how sometimes in moments of uncertainty, we can use a space that was meant for faith, and we fill it with fear. In moments of uncertainty, we use a space that was meant for faith, and we fill it with fear because the people who were closest to Jesus confused him for a ghost. They had never seen him walk on water before, and everything about their circumstance suggested that God was not with them, and they confused God with a ghost. And I wonder, if you looked at your life, if that has ever been anything that you've done. Have you ever thought that something was bad, but it ended up being really good? Have you ever thought something was a burden and it turned out to be a blessing? Have you ever wanted to date someone, but they didn't want to date you, and it broke your heart at the time, and then you're on social media 10 years later, and you're like, thank you, Jesus, that we didn't put a ring on it, okay? What I'm saying is that we've all probably made the wrong evaluation confusing a God thing for a ghost thing. Because sometimes what happens in our relationship with God is that we forget that sometimes God is the one who puts us in the boat and pushes us out in the water even though he knows a storm is coming. Because sometimes we forget that God is, is, is the one who sometimes will lead us into a scary place. Sometimes God, what it means to follow God is that we have to face some of our fears. Sometimes what it means to follow God is that we're going to have some of our insecurities exposed. Sometimes what it means to follow God is that he's going to take us to a place that we think we're not capable of going. And he's going to take us to a place that we might think is more painful than we can bear. In those moments, in those moments... It's easy to confuse God for a ghost. And that's what the disciples did. But look at what Jesus says in Matthew 14, verse 27. It says, But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. So it was real obvious to Jesus and everyone else that the people on the boat that day were scared. But Jesus reminded them that they didn't have to be afraid. I'd be afraid. And what he did was he used this really historically pregnant phrase. And the way that it's translated in our text, it says, I am here. But actually, a better translation of that would be to say that I am is here. And he was using this phrase 
that God had used in the Old Testament nearly every time that he was reminding the people of all the good works that he had ever done for them. And, and so what Jesus was saying is that the God of the Old Testament that had brought you out of slavery, that had brought you into the promised land, the God who did that for you then is also the God that is here with you right now in the storm. It was deep. That was something that if the disciples had Twitter, they would have tweeted. <laughs> and this is the moment. After Jesus says that, that Peter yells across the Sea of Galilee, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on water. Peter said, Jesus, if it's really you, I'm going to need some proof that you're God and you're not a ghost. And I want to see a miracle. And then Jesus responds, Matthew 14, verse 29. He says, yes, come, Jesus said. He said, it's me, come. And I love what Jesus does in this moment because he places the burden of seeing a miracle on Peter. Because in other words, what Jesus says, if you want to walk on water, you've got to step out of the boat. And I think that sometimes, I think that sometimes we misunderstand the process of God's activity in our life. We think that when God does a miracle, then I'll activate my faith. How many of you have ever said this phrase, God, if you show me a sign, then I'll do what you want me to do? Have any of you had a similar type of conversation, right? And what happens to me when I have that conversation with God, and maybe what happens to you is you stand outside at night, all night looking for a shooting star, Right? Or you're listening to the Christian radio station trying to find a song that is speaking to your circumstance. Right? You want a sign from God before you will activate your faith. But I'm almost certain that if that's been your strategy over the course of your life, it probably hasn't been very effective. Because it doesn't work that way. That's not how God works. And what I found that is true in my journey and may be true in your journey is that most of the time, most of the time, Jesus positions the blessing on the back end of obedience. That Jesus positions that great encounter on the back end of our faith, meaning that you will never walk on water until you get out of the boat. You'll never likely see a miracle in your life until you step outside of your comfort zone. Because when you're comfortable, you don't need God to come through. When you're comfortable, sometimes... The easiest thing for us to do is to think that we have it all figured out. And so I love the way that Jesus challenged Peter. He said, if you want to know that this is me, you're going to have to take a risk. And this was Peter's response. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 29, it says, So Peter went over the side of the boat, and he walked on the water toward Jesus. Blessing is often on the other side of obedience. And I don't think that I really started to understand this concept until we started this church. Because I remember how scary it was when Kayla and I finally admitted to ourselves that this was even an inclination in our hearts that we wanted to start a church. Because prior to us thinking that, we had never had any desire to start a church. I graduated from seminary a few years after we got married. And I got offered a job at what would have been, what was my dream job? It was at a huge church, Central California. I had a great relationship with the pastor. I loved the ministry. This is the church that in college really formed my faith. 
And we had the opportunity to lead an amazing college ministry of 130 college students. And it was a wonderful experience. And we loved it. When we moved there, within a few short months, we bought a house. And we were laying down roots in our minds with the intention of never, ever leaving this community because we loved it. Her family was there. It was amazing. But then something happened. I made the mistake of getting comfortable. I made the mistake of getting comfortable. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're in a good situation, but you still didn't feel satisfied. Have you ever been there before? Right? You're at the job that you prayed for for the last few years, and then all of a sudden, while you're there, the satisfaction that you once had is no longer satisfying you. Or maybe you're dating the person that you prayed you would end up with, and then over time you realize that maybe it isn't the right path and you're no longer satisfied in the relationship. I don't know. Or maybe you wanted to move to a new area, a cool area. You moved there. It was great at first, and then all of a sudden, because of how much rent costs, it ain't so fun anymore, and you're thinking about moving to Austin, (laughs) Texas, okay? It was so scary. It was so scary. But something shifted in our hearts, and only in retrospect do I think we were, I felt like we were experiencing what some people have called a holy discontent, where there is something inside of you that if you did not do it, 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 you would rather fail by trying than not try to do what you felt like you had in your heart. And that's kind of what we were experiencing. And over time, it became kind of a scary thing. And I remember I had this in my heart. And I didn't even tell Kayla about it. And it was one of those things where you think, but you're like, I'm never going to say it. I'm never going to verbally vocalize this thing that's in my heart. But then I worked up enough courage one day to tell Kayla. And I was hoping that she would be more sensible than I was when I told her. I was hoping for her to call me crazy. And so I said, Kayla, I think that maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we're going to start a church. And the worst part is that she didn't tell me I was stupid. She didn't tell me I was crazy, but she said, yeah, I think... I think that's right. And so we prayed about it for several months, and this is what happened all along the journey. We oscillated back and forth. Whenever you're making a big decision, does this happen to you where some days you feel like you got faith? Some days you're like, yeah, we can have a third kid, right? (laughs) And then some days you're like, heck no, we got all the kids we need in this house. And that's kind of what happened to us. We oscillated back and forth between fear and faith, depending on the day. But over the course of a few months, what happened is that we were trending upward toward more and more faith. And so we finally got to the point where we decided we were leaving this church and we were going to step into faith. And I remember how scary it was when I walked into the office of our pastors and I told them that we were leaving. And it was really from that point forward that our prayers started to sound exactly like the phrase that Peter yelled out across to Jesus. Lord, if it's really you, we need money. Because it's going to be expensive to plant a church in the most expensive city in America. And we really did need a miracle. And you know what happened the day after we prayed for God to give us some resources? Absolutely nothing. There was no money in our bank account. There was nothing. But you know what happened a few days after we prayed that? Is someone gave me a book on how to fund your ministry when you're starting a church. And I read the book. And in faith, I called every person I knew. I called every family member. That's when I broke a lot of relationships with my family member. They didn't want to hear me. Word was going around. Hey, if you get a call from Dan, don't pick up. He's going to ask you for money. 
And then we went to every church that I had any connection with. And then every church that I met, I asked them if they would give me connections that I still hadn't met with. And we met with every person, every organization that we had the potential to meet, and we just got after it. And we shared the vision, this small little vision that God had put in our hearts to start a church in Silicon Valley. And I remember the way that the book taught you to end every conversation is you have to make the ask. And I remember the way that I phrased it, I said, I said, I want to give you the opportunity to invest in something that's going to change people's lives forever. And I remember the look at some people's faces when they heard me say that they were thinking, they were rolling their eyes. You're, going to, you're asking me for my money, and you're saying you're going to give me an opportunity to invest in you. And I remember, I don't know how this happened, but I feel like God had given me so much faith during that season. Because I wasn't scared, and I was absolutely 100% convinced that it was the best thing that they could invest their money into. That there was nothing else on earth that they could give their resources but to investing in what God was going to do through Eden Church before we ever even moved to the area. And I was as serious about it then as I am now. That there is no greater investment that you can give your time to. And we worked it for 12 months Church after church, person after person. I remember sitting in one mission committee meeting, and that's what they have at these old Baptist churches. And I was sitting there, and I was kind of cast in vision. I may have even teared up. It was, it was one of the best, best vision casting meetings that I had. And I remember at the end of it, one of the old ladies asked, they said, Daniel, this sounds amazing. And she said, do you think that someday you'll want to start an English-speaking service? And I said, ma'am, I don't speak Spanish. Okay, this is, a, this is an English-speaking deal, okay? But person after person, church after church, organization after organization said that I'm, I'm in. And God provided the blessing on the back end of obedience. And then we prayed, Lord, if this is really you, we're going to need people to help us do this because we can't do this alone. And so for 18 months... We scraped and we begged and we called a lot of the same people that we asked for money. And, uh, and we said, would you consider moving to the Bay Area with us? And a few people said yes. And then when we got here, I called every relationship. I got everyone that I knew on Facebook and social media, people that want nothing to do with me now because they still get invites from me to every event we have at Eden Church. And some of you are here today because you got a message from me. But we worked it for 18 months. And I remember some of the conversations that we had with people, and they rolled their eyes. They said, Daniel, you are starting a church. And I said, yes, it's hard for me to believe too, but I can understand what you know about my life from the past. It may be hard for you too. And God was so good because person after person, God put it on their heart to step into this journey with us to start a church when there was no church, when there was no building, when there were no seats, when there was no music, when there wasn't a speaker, when there were no signs, we had people like the woes who said, I'll step into this journey with you. And Shirley Trong, who said, I'm down. Even though I signed up to be a volunteer, nobody called me back. I'm going to show up anyways and help. <laughs> and we had the Trevinos, who every Sunday were showing up, pushing carts, helping us start something that was only in our imagination. 
And we started in our house, and then we worked our way up to the clubhouse, and then the community center, and then to one location, two locations, three locations, and then we landed here. (laughs) And I felt like God provided the blessing on the back end of obedience. And then we prayed, Lord, if it's really you, Lord, if this is really you, can you make this church about life transformation? Because from the very beginning, we have always wanted to be the type of church that helped people who were distant from God step into faith for the first time. And we knew and we believed in our hearts that we know people have a lot of baggage when it comes to church, but we believed at the bottom of our hearts that if someone had a moment with Jesus, just one moment with Jesus, it could change their life forever. And we wanted to see life transformed by this message that transformed us. And I remember that was our heart. And for months and months, we had been out here over a year raising support, casting vision, asking people to get on board, finding a location. And, And during that whole time, we did not see one person make a decision to begin following Jesus. And that was hard because we didn't know if God was going to use us in that way. But at at the heart of all of this, this is why we started a church. And then I remember we held that first preview service, that first preview service. And I remember just like I do every Sunday, we got the connect cards at the end of service. And I said, hey, did anyone make a decision today? And I remember seeing three little check marks that said, beginning to fall, I want to become a follower of Jesus. And I remember thinking in that moment, I remember thinking in that moment about how we had so many hard days leading up to that first service. We had so many painful moments. We had so many discouraging circumstances. And how in that moment they seemed so tiny, seemed so insignificant in light of what we saw God using us to do. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I grew up wrestling. And what was interesting, and this is a psychology thing, is that I remember that I could walk into a match feeling like I was limping into a match, but if I won the match, all of a sudden, the pain that I walked into the match with was gone. And the opposite was true, is that if I walked in feeling healthy, but I lost the match, afterward, I could feel every little ache and pain in my body. But it made it all worth it. All the sacrifice seemed like such a small price to pay to be used by God for something so good. And so today is three years after we launched that church. And today we have seen over 120 people make decisions to walk away from their old life and to step into the new with Jesus, to begin that relationship with God. Over 120 souls. And throughout this journey, we realized that God was showing us a pattern. And that's kind of the value of moments like this is because you get to process and you get to sort of think about all that God was doing. And what, what you'll end up doing is you take some time to reflect on life is you'll start to see themes and patterns, themes and patterns of how God has worked in your life in the past. And what we're realizing is that blessing is most often time on the other side of obedience. And I think that we are only here today because of the faith 
of someone else. I am here today because of the faith of John Irwin. My family met him when we were going through one of the most difficult times in our life. My parents had just gotten divorced. My mom was addicted. She was an alcoholic. She was honestly the worst version of herself for about three years. And it was really hard to be around her. I remember how angry she was. I remember how frustrated, how hard it was to have a conversation with her because she was overwhelmed by the stress in her life, not, to man it, uh, not, not on top of the fact that she was addicted to alcohol. And I remember it was during that season that we met John Irwin. John Irwin was an associate pastor of an all-black Pentecostal church in downtown San Jose. And he lived down the street from us, but he had this heart to invest in our neighborhood. And every time he would sort of canvas the neighborhood, he would make sure that he would stop by my house and he would have a conversation with my mom. And I loved it because it was one of the few moments that I saw my mom not angry and stressed out and mean because he would always come to the door with something funny to say. And I loved it. It always made my mom laugh. And he never beat her, head over, beat her over the head with the Bible. And he would, always, he would always end the conversation this way. He would say, Kathleen, when are you and your boys going to come to church with me and my family? And for months... He would stop by our house on the weekend when he was doing his canvassing and inviting around the neighborhood. And my mom would make up every excuse you can imagine in the book of why she couldn't go to church the next day. But there were even a few Sundays or Saturdays where she thought, you know what, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to plan to go. But she'd be hung over Sunday morning and she couldn't make it. And then she got to a point in her life where she said that if I didn't have kids, I would have committed suicide. And it was on that day that weekend that she said, I've tried everything else to satisfy my soul and nothing has done it. I'm going to try to give church a chance. And so it was the summer of 1992 that me and my family, my mom and my brother, we darkened the doorstep of Bethesda Community Church in San Jose, California, and my mom's life was radically transformed. But I'm here today because of John Irwin's faithfulness. I mean, can you imagine how awkward it is when you've invited someone for six months to come to church and they keep telling you no? But there was something in him that said, I don't know why I keep going to this lady's house, but there is something there. And we are here, I am here because of his faith. And you are here because of someone else's faith in your life. You were here because someone, because someone cared about you enough to invite you to this community. You were here this morning because someone sacrificed their resources to give to this church so that we could send a mailer out and let you know that God was doing something new and fresh in your neighborhood. We are here as a church because of an old grandma who lives in East Texas on a fixed income said, I believe in the vision of what God can do in this community. We are all here because of the faith of someone else. And we get to celebrate three years of life transformation in this community, over 120 people who were headed in one direction in life who are now headed in another because of someone else's faith. And we have always been a church 
that believe that once you stepped inside the walls of this community, once you got in the flow of this culture, now it was time for you to get on mission with us. Now that you have been saved, now that you've been connected with God, who are you going to have faith for? And so in this next season, we are stepping into this amazing opportunity for us not to just fill this room, not to just be comfortable with where we're at in the season, in the life of this church, but what I'm asking you to do is to have some faith with me. There are most of us in this room who were not part of the launch of this church. And so you're here because of the faith of someone else, willing to step into the unknown. And what we're asking you in this next year is to be that for someone else. On March 22nd, we're going to step into a new season in the life of this church. And all along the way, we're going to be praying this one prayer. God, will you do for Eden in this next year what we saw happen over the last three years? God, will you do in Eden immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine or deserve? And so on March 22nd, as a church, we're going to step out in faith and we are going to move from a church that has one service to a church that has two services. Because we're going to be a community that keeps making more room for more people to find life and to find hope in Jesus. Because what I am convinced of is that there are more Kathleen Burtons all around us. There are more Kathleen Burtons in your life and in your office, and at your school, and in your community, and in your complex that need to know that there is a God who loves them, who sent his son to die for them, and that the shame, and the burden, and the guilt, and the frustration, and the doubt, and the fear that they live their life with does not have to exist in their identity. That we have this God who has loved us from the very beginning. And he demonstrated that love by sending his son to die on a cross to carry the shame and the burden and the weight that we have accumulated in our lives by our decisions. We will never see a miracle if we're not willing to get out of the boat. We will never walk on water if each of us are not willing to step up and to step out. And as we make this transition, this is not just on the current leaders, but we are asking every person that's part of this community to be a part of making that happen in this church. And that means that we're gonna need twice as many volunteers as we have. We're gonna need twice as many people putting their hand to the plow every Sunday to provide a space for more and more people to connect with God. do something a little bit unique this morning and I debated back and forth whether or not I was going to do it. But I want you to do me a favor. And I want you to take a stand this morning. And if I ask you a question that you can say the answer is yes to or you can identify yourself with, would you, would you stand up? How many of you today call yourself a follower of Jesus because of Eden Church? that's you, will you stand up? Stay standing. Stay standing. 
How many of you started attending church for the first time because of Eden Church? Stay standing, stay standing. How many of you recommitted your faith in God because of Eden Church? How many of you are serving and sacrificing in a greater capacity than you've ever done here at Eden Church? Please stand up. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. This year, we're going to step out of the boat together. We're going to pray big things, and we're going we're gonna to just follow Jesus. And we're going to live on the journey of faith because it's exciting. And in those moments, when it gets hard, because it will get hard, in those moments when it seems like it's a ghost and it's not God, in those moments where we have the opportunity to fill in the gap with fear, we're going to choose to have faith. And we're going to trust that God loves this community more than we do. And that he sacrificed for it more than we do. And that there are still people that need to hear about his love. As a church, we're going to get out of the boat together. But I know that there are some of you, as we talk about how we're going to move forward as a church, you were thinking about how you need to move forward in your own life. There are some of you that have shown up to this place this morning that are still hanging on to a few things that feel familiar, that feel safe, that feel comfortable, that on the other side of letting go, seems like there's a lot of risk. But maybe today is the day for you in your own personal life to have faith and not fear and to position yourself to experience the miracle of what it is to live life with Jesus for the first time. And so if this morning you have never made a decision as an adult, as your own person to begin following Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. And I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And if your heart is consistent with the prayer, if you want to begin that relationship, if you're tired of some of the habits that have defined your life and you want to start fresh, you want to start new, the promise is, is that when you trust Jesus, he will give you a new heart. And so this morning, if that's where you're at, I want to encourage you to close your eyes. Everyone, close your eyes and bow your head. And if that's you this morning, I want you to Pray this prayer with me in your heart. Dear God, I know I need you. I need your help and I need your guidance to figure out my purpose. God, Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to take away the sins of the world. Today I receive the gift of salvation by trusting in Jesus instead of trusting in myself. God, would you do for me what I cannot do for myself? you help me turn from the old habits, the old ways of thinking that have destroyed my life and have hurt me up to this point. God, would you help me to step into the new? 
to live in your grace and your forgiveness. To live in your promise and your love. From this day forward, I want to begin following you. In Jesus' name, I believe. Keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. And I want to ask you to do one more thing. If this morning you prayed that prayer in your heart, would you quickly slip up your hands so we can celebrate what God is doing in this room? God bless you. God bless you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your sacrifice. God, help us to never stop being a church that is on mission. A church that is never satisfied with who we have because we know there are so many people that need your love. God, would you help us to have the faith that someone had for us to bring us into this place? Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.